Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Have you joined the Travel Club? Well, here's why you should. You'll be the first to know when we're on the go. You get to be part of some fantastic destinations, group trips, and you get to meet and travel with some awesome people. The website is TravelingCulturati.com. Go ahead and join in the fun. We have two fantastic trips coming up for the balance of the year. One is to Croatia. Yes, our privately chartered luxury cruise from Split to Dubrovnik. This is going to be July 28th through August 6th. And Advantage International, our sponsoring company, is celebrating 25-year anniversary. And yours truly is turning the big 6-0, and I want to celebrate. We're going to have a fantastic time. There's only 17 cabins on board the yacht, and it's all ours. And we're going to decide where we want to go and what we want to do. But definitely, we're going from Split to Dubrovnik. We're going to have cooking classes, wine tasting, parties on board. We're going to have a blast. And we're going to Greece September 1st through the 9th, going to Athens and to Crete. And the Crete part is going to be an all-inclusive experience. You definitely want to do that because Greece is just one of these fantastic places. Great food, relaxing atmosphere, historic sites, all of these things. And, oh, I forgot, we are going Stay tuned because sign up for the Travel Club and you'll get the notification because we will soon have available for you a wellness program. And it's pause and play. We all need to do that right now, don't we? We need to pause for a minute, take some time out of our lives and relax, relate, release. You know what I'm talking about. And from there, we are going to play a little bit in Belize. So make sure that you sign up for the Travel Club so you can be a part of all of that. So Belize is going to be November 8th through the 12th. So stay tuned for that. We have a fabulous program that we're putting together to allow you to take that pause from your life and then play a little bit in Belize, a fantastic place to be. But in order for you to know about it, you got to sign up for the Travel Club or our newsletter. So make sure you do that at TravelingCulturati.com. Today, I'll be chatting with Sierra Strauder. She's an inquisitive soul meandering about the globe and forging genuine connections. You won't want to miss my conversation with Sierra on her why and how of feeding her wanderlust. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and, of course, the Culture Report. We'll continue our conversation with Sierra. But right now, I've got a little travel news. If you're heading to Florida or the Caribbean soon, because there are large quantities of seaweed that are accumulating and authorities are saying that this may be the largest bloom of seaweed ever recorded. It's called sargassum seaweed and the arrival is in record-breaking amounts on the beaches of Florida and across some parts of the Caribbean. It's in the western Florida. While the seaweed has been known to provide valuable habitat for marine life, if it's in excess, 
it can lead to several adverse consequences. Cocoa Beach has been particularly hit hard this year, and the West Coast Florida beaches are starting to accumulate quantities of seaweed as well. South Beach in Miami is reporting piles of sargassum. So according to the experts, sargassum seaweed contains arsenic, and if left uncollected, it can leak into the groundwater, posing a health hazard to humans. This is particularly concerning considering Florida has a very large tourist population that frequents the beaches, increasing their potential for exposure to toxic substance. There are extensive amounts of rotting sargassum as well, because as it makes its way on shore, it then begins to rot. An ideal environment for the growth of fecal bacteria, which poses a significant health risk to beachgoers. The presence of fecal bacteria in seawater is known to cause skin rashes, ear infections, and meningitis, amongst other diseases. In addition, it is a very, I guess you can say gaseous seaweed. So once it's rotting, it can emit a hydrogen sulfide gas, which can cause respiratory problems and eye irritation. The problem is compounded by the fact that seaweed emits that pungent odor, which can make it unpleasant, especially if you're trying to relax on the beaches. Now, authorities are putting together a plan to constantly stay on top of the seaweed that washes ashore and to make sure that it is being removed and also the ones that are still floating in the water to remove it so that it does not contain or become a major problem. Now, there's a topic that keeps coming up more and more, and that is, is Mexico safe? I know I've talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but we are looking at the statistics and a fact sheet, if you will, on how safe is Mexico. And there actually was a fact sheet that was put together, a company called Verify, and they've answered five questions about crime and safety that travelers may have before they plan their trip to Mexico. It is a very popular destination, especially for Americans, especially to Cancun, which is one of the top destinations for Americans to travel to Mexico. Also, Allianz Insurance found that four of the top 10 international spring break destinations are in Mexico. The number one international city on the list is Cancun. Recent headlines about crime in Mexico resulting in American tourists being injured or even killed has led some travelers to worry about that safety when considering trips across the southern border. Verify has put together a fact sheet answering those top questions. One, citing sources, which are the U.S. Department of State, the U.S. Embassy in Mexico, Overseas Security Advisory Council, the British government's Foreign, Commonwealth and Development Office, and Canada's Department of Travel and Tourism have all factored in. And what they found is that the U.S. Department of State issues travel advisories for every country in the world alerting American citizens traveling abroad of safety risks in those places. It handles Mexico slightly differently, issuing advisories for individual states versus the whole country. So again, if you go to travel.state.gov, you can usually put in any country and it will give you a list or that advisory or that level, which ranges from one to four about a country. But again, with Mexico, it's handled a little differently advising in individual states. So level one is being the least severe, level four, the most severe. You can exercise normal precautions for level one places. 
You should exercise increased caution in level two places. You should reconsider travel if a place has a level three, and you should not travel to level four places. The State Department says that crime, terrorist activity, civil unrest, health, natural disaster or weather, and current events all factor into how it determines the level of travel advisory issued. So it's not just about crime. When you talk about safety, it's about weather and other conditions as well. The State Department also issues travel restrictions for federal employees and recommends tourists adhere to the guidance of the same. So what parts of Mexico are deemed unsafe to travel to? There are 32 states in Mexico, including Mexico City's capital district. Only two have a level one advisory from the U.S. State Department. Six of the states have level four, which are do not travel. The State Department gave all six states level four advisories because of the widespread crime, as well as high rates of kidnapping in all states except for one, which is Guerrero. Seven more states have level three, which is reconsider travel warnings. That includes places like Baja, California. And the State Department doesn't have travel restrictions for any other tourist areas in level three states. All but two of the remaining states have level two, which means exercise increased caution. And level two destinations are your popular tourist destinations like Cancun, Cozumel, Tulum, Playa del Carmen, which are all in Quintana Roo, Mexico City as well, Los Cabos in Baja California de Sur, and also Nuevo Vallarta. The two states with level one exercise normal precaution advisories are the Yucatan and Campeche. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correct, but think about areas like Chichen Itza, Merida. These are all in the Yucatan. So what about Cancun and other popular tourist towns? Are they safe? Well, according to the British government, it says that Mexico works to protect major tourist destinations. Still, those areas have been immune to the types of violence and crime experienced elsewhere in Mexico. Although they're not completely crime-free, the tourist zones of popular destinations are generally safer than other parts of those cities. Again, this is according to the British government. The Canadian government tells its citizens to stay in tourist areas if they're traveling to Mexico. The State Department recommends travelers avoid downtown Cancun, Tulum, and Playa del Carmen after dark, and instead stay in tourist areas and along well-lit pedestrian streets. Cancun welcomes the most international travelers to its airport than any other city in Mexico, as much as two to three times more than the next popular destination, which is Mexico City. Now, since Cancun is particularly popular, the State Department and other officials typically give specific advice for travel to Quintana Roo, which also includes Tulum, Playa del Carmen, and the Riviera Maya. The State Department has issued a level two advisory for Americans, recommending travelers exercise increased caution while in Quintana Roo. This is, of course, due to crime and kidnapping concerns. There is currently an increased police presence in the Cancun area, including the city's hotel zone. This is according to the British government. The State Department, British government, and Overseas Security Advisory Council, which is an American public-private international security partnership for U.S. companies and organizations, 
all agree that while tourists aren't commonly targeted by criminal organizations in Quintana Roo, there have been incidents in which tourists have been injured or killed after being caught in the crossfire of rival groups. The State Department also advises that travelers to Mexico City and the surrounding state of Mexico remain vigilant. The big question is, do criminals in Mexico target tourists? Thousands of U.S. citizens visit Mexico during spring break each year, and the vast majority travel safely. This is according to the U.S. Embassy in Mexico. Officials say that criminal groups like cartels or gangs are unlikely to actively target travelers. Still, just like in any other popular tourist destinations, someone who makes it obvious that they're carrying around a lot of money can become an easy mark for petty theft. It is advised against driving in certain parts of Mexico. And when it comes to ATMs that we all use when we travel, you want to try to use bank branches during business hours. And I always say go with a buddy, but you want to make sure that you're staying in those tourist areas. As far as ATMs are concerned, this is advice that I give no matter where you're traveling in the world. Because again, tourists can sometimes be those targets for petty crimes. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, I'm going to have a fantastic conversation with Sierra Strader, a globetrotting, wanderlusting <laughs> explorer. So you don't want to miss that. She's going to share with us her why and her how. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website. It's TravelingCulturati.com. And don't forget to join the Travel Club because we go to some fantastic places. Speaking of which, we're going to Croatia, July 28th through August 6th. It is Advantage International's 25th anniversary. And yours truly is turning the big 6-0. So we've got to celebrate. Yeah. So come and celebrate with us. It is going to be awesome. We have a privately chartered yacht with only 17 cabins on board. We only have four cabins left, so don't delay. We're going from Split to Dubrovnik, and it's almost all-inclusive cooking classes, wine tasting. Really, you want to join us. Again, it's TravelingCulturati.com. And in September, we're going to Greece, September 1st through the 9th. We're going to Athens, and then we're going to finish up in Crete with an all-inclusive experience at a very nice island resort there. So again, TravelingCulturati.com. Well, you know, I love to have these travel chats where people are doing some fantastic things in the world of travel. They're exploring, they're wandering, and they're leaving no stone unturned. That is my guest today, Sierra Strader an inquisitive soul meandering about the globe and forging genuine connections. Previously employed as a software engineer and a restaurant server, the zest for robust and dynamic experiences engulfed her. She has now led down a path of explorative endeavors, having mental downloads that offer different perspectives of other people, places, and, of course, of herself. Hello, Sierra, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. 
Hello, hello. It's wonderful to be here. I'm glad that you're having me right now. Yes, you are a wanderer, and I love that. (laughs) (laughs) One could say (laughs) I'm moving about. Well, you know, we all, I think, have this wanderlust, but some of us don't do anything about it. And some of us grab the bull by the horns, and that's certainly what you have done. So where are you now? Currently, I am in Greece which is pretty cool because I feel like a couple of your destinations that you previously stated are lining up with mine, but I'm in Crete right now. Ah, we will be going to Crete in September. I hadn't been to Crete before. I've been to Mykonos, I've been to Santorini, Ah, and I've been to some of the other places. places. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Crete. I don't think a lot of people really know about that island there. Yeah, I picked Crete. And I'm probably going to get into this later, but I picked a lot of my destinations because I wanted to pick places that were like financially sustainable. And I felt like Crete was one of those places. Well, Greece in general is kind of one of those places. But Crete had some really nice Airbnb options for not a lot of money. So I thought it was a good place to be. I didn't want to quite be in Athens because Athens is really cool. I'm from Chicago, you know, I don't want to be in a big city for a prolonged period of time, because it's probably just going to feel like the big city I came from. So I wanted a different experience. I thought that Crete would offer that for me. So yeah, I picked Crete for that reason. Yes, we are going to get more in detail about how you're managing all of this a little bit later. But what, what led you to wander and explore? It's a bit of a story, if you will. (laughs) So my first experience outside of the country that was really more full travel experience, because I went to Canada for a day. I don't really count that, you know. (laughs) But um, (laughs) my first full experience was in Mexico. And I decided to solo travel to Mexico because I had just gotten off the heels of a relationship and closed that chapter of my life. Wanted to start something new. I had a remote job and I knew I had the ability to kind of move about freely in the world while working this job. So I decided to go somewhere close, somewhere cheap. And I kind of was like, I'm not even going to talk to anybody. You know, (laughs) I'm just going to go. This is for me. And so I went down there and had such a wonderful time and ended up making such wonderful friendships and I don't know, it just like filled me in a way that I didn't feel was possible in a place that I came from, like being in Chicago. It was just warm and people were inviting and it felt safe on the streets. I was in this place called Merida, Mexico. And Merida is the safest city in Mexico. I don't know if that's changed now, but at that time it was. And I didn't even realize that that's where I was going to a very safe place. I just kind of picked a place and decided to go. And it was quite the experience. The people were just kind of getting me out of my shell in terms of me kind of wanting to be to myself. They kind of just brought this light out of me and the environment brought this light out of me. And I always say people obviously thrive in different environments, but I think that you have a spectrum and it goes from like big city to let's say jungle. And there's all these different kinds of environments in between. And I think Merida is kind of like in the middle of that spectrum. It's not a big, big city. It's not like the jungle. The infrastructure is decent, but it's not like super great like a city. There's constructions, but they're not gigantic constructions like a city. Merida is kind of in the middle. And I feel like in that spectrum, when you're at the end of the big city, you have physical comforts and physical luxuries, but maybe not 
spiritual comfort. And I feel like when you get to the side of the jungle, you don't have physical comforts or luxuries, but you have this spiritual comfort and happiness. And so being closer to the other end of the spectrum from a city kind of gave me this comfort and I had less anxieties. And I just really felt like it was a transformative experience for me. And I went back to the U.S. and then I went back to Mexico again for longer, for about a month and a half and um, stayed for longer. And I had an even better time. (laughs) And I just wanted to keep doing that. And I wanted to keep, I call it my expansion. When you have these new experiences and visit these new places, your brain is kind of forced to create new neural pathways to accommodate for these challenges that you're having in environments that are unknown. And I feel like that's a part of growth and expansion. And it's just a wonderful feeling. And I just wanted to keep doing that. So I tried to put myself in a position where I could for the time being. I'm so glad that you talked about the spectrum, because I think a lot of times people think about maybe taking a sabbatical or I like those kind of little mini sabbaticals. But anytime you change your environment, it can be cathartic. But I think sometimes we feel like we have to jump off the deep end and do something completely at the opposite end where you can do something just kind of in the middle. And for me, I need certain access and creature comforts, Um, but a a place where you can also kind of just change your environment and get away. You know, I need that. I need that hot shower. Okay. We need that hot shower. All right. Without it, who am I? Exactly. I don't need to be completely excluded. I'm not about to be shivering shivering in the woods. You know what I mean? No, thank you. I'm not there yet. Okay. I'm not there yet. No. And and that's the first step of really doing something like this is really being honest with yourself. And sometimes it's forced upon us and we don't know what we like or would like, but being honest with yourself, because if you do something completely drastic, it could have the opposite of the intended (laughs) effect that you're 100%. Yeah, Yeah, it could be just trauma. (laughs) You're just inviting traumatic experiences into your life. I think it's called Vipassana. I'm not super sure. But it's like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's like, no, this is not how this works. This is just definitely not how it works. Like, is everybody okay? Like, you're just volunteering to just not talk for two weeks? Yeah. What's going on? (laughs) Well, we're both talkers. So (laughs) that would drive me crazy. Everybody that I know would be getting a phone call from me. Like, really, I need yeah. to talk to someone. Someone they, They've taken a vow of silence here that I can't deal with. This is... Right. <laughs> so when exactly did this part of your exploration, when you came back and you said, you know what, this needs to be a permanent part, or at least an extended part of what I'm doing here. When did you embark upon that exploration? So yes, I was actually in Mexico when I changed jobs. And this job that I changed to said that it was also fully remote. So I go back to the US waiting to start this job. I was just going to start it in the US. I was going to dip back out to Colombia. All right. I had already planned this trip to Colombia. I start the training modules of this job. And everywhere I'm seeing, you can't work outside of the country. Do not bring your laptop outside of the country. You have to make sure you clear it with the business team, blah, 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 that you're traveling and it has to be for business purposes. And if it's not for business purposes, it will be denied. And I'm seeing all this stuff and I'm just like, I'm just going to try anyway. (laughs) And I decided to leave the country. Like I said, I wanted to keep these experiences going. Okay. I was like, 
this is a new side to life that I just did not pay attention to. So I went to Colombia and I'm not even going to tell you all the things I put in place to try to escape the eye of my company, but I tried to do a lot. And essentially there are times when you're on a trip and I feel like the universe is telling you, no, (laughs) you know, nothing is going right. There's nothing lining up for this to work or make any sense. The God in the universe say no. So that was being told to me. It was very loud and clear. And so I came to Columbia and I went right back Sunday night to Chicago. I like came and went. It wasn't even a full 24 hours that I was there. And it was supposed to be a five week trip. So I went back to Chicago and I was so mad about this, just like not working out the way I wanted to. It was very complicated trying to, like I said, escape the grasp of my company. And just like, I didn't know how close they were watching if I would be in the country or not. It was a gamble. I just didn't know. And I didn't want to find out and just get fired. So I came back to Chicago, lost money from that. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to save up money as much as I can. And I'm just going to quit. And I'm just going to travel and I'm just going to get it all out of the way. I'm going to travel for a year. I'm going to visit all the countries I want to visit and just get it out the way. And that's what I decided to do. It was kind of just out of the stroke of anger. I decided to do that. I'm really surprised in today's environment because the world forced us all to work remotely for the most part. Not all of us. Some of us still had hands-on jobs, but we learned that, hey, we can work remotely and still accomplish the same things. So I guess it just depends on where you are and what you're doing. And I don't know the name of the company, and I certainly don't remember it, but also not to just promote them. But just before the pandemic, actually, there was a company that was really just allowing whoever had remote jobs, you could sign up for this program and they could make sure that you can continue and work to just work remotely. Mm -hmm. And that will afford you to see the world and work in all of these different places. So I don't know if that model continues today, but it was something like that. But yeah, especially when you're in a position where you're pretty much working remotely anyway, they just don't want you to do it full time. Sounds kind of odd. odd. (laughs) Yeah, I think that when the pandemic started and stuff like that, it was lax because it was new. And now that I think people are catching on to what they're able to do with these remote positions, there's more restrictions upon it because I think these companies have like, there's some kind of tax stuff going on with that, I think. And Uh that's what the issue is. So they're like kind of cracking down on that now. And so I don't know, but I think it was definitely a lax thing when the pandemic started. Right. So I don't know. Seems like rules now. So you started on this journey and I remember seeing you and and this was last summer and you were like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. (laughs) So when you decided to do that, you said that you saved up so that you can be able to do this for a year without being tethered to a job. How difficult or challenging was that? The saving up wasn't as challenging because I had been saving since I was in college. I think like a year before I graduated, I started saving money. So I had money because I was saving it during school and stuff like that. And I didn't know what I was really gonna use it for. I had some ideas, like some repairs in my parents' condominium, thinking about doing that or building a van or house bus and like (laughs) traveling around in that. I really actually didn't even have it in mind for this idea, to be honest, it was kind of new, especially when I was talking to you about it, it was very new. But I worked two jobs. I started working a job as a server at 
night and weekends, in addition to the software engineering job from nine to five in order to make the money very, very quickly for this. So I was working full time and I cut down on like transportation costs because I had a bike and I would bike everywhere. And my job fed me at the restaurant. They give you family meals. So I didn't buy groceries for a very, very long time. Just like little things like that. I quickly became a penny pincher. It was kind of tough, but not the toughest thing in the world, but it was kind of tough. And I was very vigilant about hitting my mark on putting away the money that I wanted every paycheck. You know, I was like very vigilant about that and not trying to take out of my savings and that kind of thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't incredibly difficult because I already had that start Right. That I just kind of just had, didn't really know what to do with. I just had to kind of like finish it off and complete my goal. So, yeah. Yeah. So just being disciplined and having a plan and then executing it. Did you have a goal set on the number of countries you wanted to visit? So my plan had changed a bit. The first time I had this plan, it was going to be one country every week which is crazy if you think about that. (laughs) That's a crazy person. Like, what is it? That's unhealthy. How much moving around is that? A lot. So I wanted to explore a bunch of different countries. I had a whole list of different countries, but I narrowed it down to about one country every month because that makes the Airbnbs much cheaper if you're booking a longer stay. And Yeah, it just was more financially reasonable for me. And also, I wanted to experience every place as if I lived there pretty much. So I kind of just did it that way. And I thought that it'd be cool to travel from a hub to another place if I saw it necessary. So yeah, I did modify the plan a bit, the countries a bit, depending on what made sense for the route I was trying to take. I took like a snaking kind of route, making sure that the next place I was going to after the place I would be in was close enough for the plane ticket to be a reasonable amount of money. It was just a lot of mental gymnastics, trying to figure out what I wanted to do exactly, where I wanted to go exactly. So I think I hit most of the places that I meant to hit. And there are some places that were really important to me. So I think I did okay. Well, 12 countries versus 52 countries in a year <laughs> sounds a lot more relaxing and, and you know, gives you some time and space to kind of get rooted in the destination where you get are. Get your bearings. And make, right. And making plans for the next destination. So I think yes. that was a smart redirect. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Can you imagine one country every week? Yeah, that's like, that wow, winds up being a, a bit hectic. Woman. Yeah, it's, it's a oh bit hectic, and which it could be done, but having to plan a lot further out so that you know you have a month's worth of plan yes. each time so you go versus week oh after week after week so where have yes. you been to date so far i've been to colombia i was like i'm going to colombia okay they didn't allow me the first time so i'm going there first so colombia the first one then peru then brazil and i went to argentina for a little bit from brazil and i went to cape town south africa and then Morocco from there. And I went to Valencia, Spain for a little bit from Morocco. And then I went to Egypt and now I'm in Greece. Yeah, so that's it so far. But I did join a cruise with my mother right after Brazil and before Cape Town. I didn't have the yellow fever vaccine. They didn't let me into Africa. It's a whole story. So I, um, you already know about that. (laughs) So (laughs) I could have used your help. (laughs) 
<laughs> and not many countries require that you have yellow fever vaccination, but some countries have a situation where they don't require the vaccination unless you've been to a country that has yellow fever. So you definitely, exactly. So you definitely really have to look at health requirements and documentation and all of that. Yeah. Yes. Something I'm sure you know very well about. I got to the airport and they told me that and I I broke down. I was like, wait, what? I was like, there's no, there's no way I'm missing this flight right now. There's no way. So that took a bit of pivoting itself. But it was cool. I spent some time with my mother and my brother on a cruise. I flew to Florida and then we went to a few islands and that was cool. So yeah, then I got back on track. <laughs> on, the, on the world and, tour. And, and by the way, yellow fever vaccinations now are lifetime. So they used to be every 10 years. But now once oh, you wow. get one, unless something drastically changes with yellow fever, as of now, it's a lifetime where it used to be okay, every 10 years. So if okay. you get that, you're going to be good. <laughs> All right. Got to make sure I find that little card they gave me. <laughs> yeah, that little yellow <laughs> card. And I take a. And what's great picture? today is that I take a picture everything. I have a whole travel folder in my phone oh. that I can just quickly click on. And it's like, it's got my passport. It's got my yes. COVID vaccination. It's got my yellow fever vaccination. It's got everything and it really comes in That's handy smart. because a lot of times people will accept those quick notice that you have those copies with you. Okay, next time I'm going to text you. All right. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to text you. After that happened to me, I was checking for every other place. I'm like, okay, what do I need to go here? What do I need to go here? I'm like, this is not going to happen to me again. Yeah. You know, but well, travel.state.gov is a great place. I have it bookmarked. I go there for oh, everything wonderful. and it has links really? to every other country. So it's all in one place. It's the State Department that puts it together, but travel.state.gov okay. and you put in the country. It helps you for traveling, getting passports and all of that as a U.S. citizen. Also, it'll help you with connecting to other countries and embassies and consulate information. Okay. But also, you know, like the step uh, I don't know if you are, but you might want to register for STEP, the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. And it just connects you with the U.S. State Department wherever you go, which is, yeah, a really, really cool Helpful. thing to do. And it's great to hear these kind of things and roadblocks and just navigational yes. things that will come up when you travel. But let's talk about some of your destinations. Now, you mentioned Airbnb. So is that typically your go-to for accommodations? It is my go-to, but I've been using booking.com as well to kind of look at places because it's not something that I was really aware of, but booking.com, generally they advertise that they don't really have fees, but things seem to be cheaper there. And for a lot of the bookings, you don't need to put your credit card down for the payments. So it's super flexible. You can cancel when you want to. Airbnb, as you know, some of the policies are not very flexible. And that's not what I quite like about it. And also there seem to be a lot of fees added to it as well. But I do love Airbnbs. I love feeling like I'm in a place that's like my home. And that's um, the one thing about me is that I don't really feel like I need to be in my home to feel home. But these Airbnbs, they make it easier for me to feel like I'm in a space that's kind of my own. Also a space that's versatile where you can cook or you can, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's living space. And if you're going to be there right. for a month and you don't want to have to go out and eat all of the time, or if you just want to chill, you want a nice place that you yes. can sit and chill. 
in your own space that's going to have a bedroom, a kitchen, living space, living room, dining room, that kind of thing. Exactly. It offers a lot. I love the pool filter. I don't know. I don't know what it is about me in water. I have no clue, but I like the pools and the jacuzzis. I like to put those filters on and and treat myself with a nice little place. But up until this point, I can't even tell you how many Airbnbs I've stayed in. I've stayed in so many Airbnbs. I really enjoy them. I have this like love-hate relationship with them, like this obsession, but also this kind of like, I just don't respect how they do us, but I, but I have this like obsession with them a little bit. I don't know. I don't well, know again, I mean. think it's the living space. And as you said, it's kind of the home away from home, or at least a space yeah. that allows you to create some of those things. And water, by the way, is always one of those things that connect us to nature and our senses. And I too love the water. It's very peaceful and (laughs) tranquil. And yeah, and even though I'm a fire sign, and maybe that's why I like water, because I'm a fire sign. I I, I don't know. (laughs) I see the connection. (laughs) (laughs) So thinking about some of your destinations, is there a particular destination where something really surprised you? Like through this journey, what has really surprised you? A few places surprised me. A few places surprised me. I think going into Morocco and Egypt was a little surprising and South Africa was a little surprising and also Brazil as well. First of all, if I could talk about Black communities, sure, um, there are obviously other Black communities in other parts of the world. There's Black communities in Colombia. There's Black communities even in Peru. I didn't really see them, but I'm sure and I feel like they exist. There's Black communities in Brazil as well, of course. Salvador is huge, huge culturally Black hub. And then obviously South Africa and like, you know, just Africa in general, just having Black communities. It wasn't surprising to me, but, or maybe a bit surprising, but I really felt like the way I was perceived in some of these places because of my Blackness was very interesting and not something I was prepared for. Like in Brazil... They see me and I think I kind of just have this very Americanness air about me, which sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to wash this off, but <laughs> I feel like I stick out. They tell me that they can tell by the way I walk and dress and stuff like that. But in Brazil, I was being told by people that African-Americans are seen as like Beyonce and Jay-Z, like we're really cool and we're like for the culture and they really love us and they're so open to us. And I thought that that was so interesting. And I feel bad talking about this because I'm not trying to speak poorly about any country, but especially in Morocco and Egypt, I think it's definitely on me because I came there solo as a woman. And I don't think that you should be in places like that solo as a woman because I feel like you're more targeted. And I definitely felt more targeted in that sense. And especially I just look so different and I don't have any hair. And I've been told that that's very different about me. And I've been told that A lot of Black people try to make their way to Europe through Morocco, and they try to make their way maybe doing shady things sometimes, and that maybe because of my skin color, they're thinking I'm doing shadier things, so they're kind of catcalling me for those reasons. But just stuff like that, I just didn't really anticipate heavily. Obviously, I'm in these countries, especially Morocco and Egypt, Muslim countries. I'm covering up, and even then I'm getting attention. It was kind of uncomfortable for me, honestly. But like I said, I think you should be prepared for the places you go to. And I think to prepare as a female solo traveler is to just not be solo. You're just more visible when you're alone. So that's something that I definitely, definitely was not prepared for. 
man. Well, it, it is it is a situation that you do have to be aware of. There are many solo female travelers and Black female solo travelers. And so understanding and knowing the cultures of the destinations. Right. I, I travel a lot with groups and it's a very different experience because you're immediately seen as a tourist versus okay. if you're traveling alone, you're not immediately seen as a tourist. Right. You're judged in Open a different interpretation. Exactly. You're judged in a different way. And then there's the question of in right. what capacity are you here? Are you here looking for work? Or are you living here? Are right. you looking right. to move here? When I come back, I'll have the culture report continuing my conversation with Sierra. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. And while you're there, follow us on social media. And don't forget to join that travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And I'm continuing my conversation with Sierra Strotter, the meandering globetrotter searching for cultural experiences, and authentic connections. One of the questions I was going to ask you, are you connecting to American expats in other countries? Yeah. Because that's an important tool. Well, yeah, maybe you can help me out with that because I am not. <laughs> so I'm not. I typically meet people through doing tours or something like that. I still connect with people. The majority is not Americans. And the amount of people just in general, just everybody I've connected with have not been expats. Yeah. So they've just been traveling around like me. Again, being a Black female will make a difference as well. And it's not necessarily speaking negatively of a country, but it says, look, this is what you can experience. Because as yeah. a solo traveler, you will connect more with a culture and be put in different circumstances than you would yes. if you're traveling together as a group on a guided and scheduled tour. That's very different. Yeah. And so again, yeah. you're looked at very differently. And it's important to provide this information for anyone who is considering it as well. It's not saying you can't go here, but it's saying right. be prepared for this and to be make cautious. sure that you have some things put in place for your mm. own safety and security to make sure any destination or place that you go that you are prepared for that and looking at the country's culture on women traveling alone. Because some cultures, they may not see women by themselves of any exactly. ethnicity. And let's face it, racism is polarized in the United States, but mm -hmm. it does exist globally. Yes. It's more on the nose in the United States, but you still will experience. And I even experienced some of those moments as group travelers, as a group wow. traveling together in other countries and other destinations. Some of those same stereotypes or things will arise. So would you say that was also a, the thing that challenged you the most? I think it might have. It really wasn't something I was prepared for. I was really excited to go. Egypt is one of my top destinations just in general. But 
I was really excited to go. I feel like I'm coming into this country where there are morals and values that they uphold and things like that. And I'm excited to go. I, I kind of went during Ramadan and Ramadan is really cool. And it's so lively at night on the streets and it's really fun and interesting. I have Muslim friends. I know a bit about their practice already. It just always felt like something where, like I said, they just uphold certain values. And so I'm just happy to be in an environment like that. But when I, I feel like I got there, it really felt like I was a new kid in a schoolyard and I was getting bullied. <laughs> That's really what it felt like to me. It was just, I feel like there's this air of naivete it's supposed to be, but because I have these expectations for the places I go to and they're all positive. Let me stop and say that Moroccan hospitality is very wonderful. It is wonderful. Every place has its pros and it has its cons. Literally every place. But yeah, I think I was like naive coming in and just not expecting people hassling me and stuff like that while I'm like minding my business. It's just one part of that part of my trip, just one part. There are other parts that were just absolutely incredible. But I will say it was something that I really was not prepared for. So like you said, it's really good to speak on these things for anybody else who's considering just to know. Obviously, it's best to cover up in places like that. Just be as invisible as you can. I came to Greece directly after. And I'm just like, I'm just so happy because people literally just like didn't seem to care at all about me for the most part. And I'm just like, She's like, thank God, I'm so glad I'm invisible here. It's just so refreshing to not be cared about here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, were all of your destinations and endeavors mapped out or some of them were and some of them weren't or you're deciding as you go? So, yeah, that's the thing about me. I'm not a decide as I go person all the way. Like I kind of need a plan. I like the plan. So before I left, I did have it all planned out. I planned out the exact route, the exact amount of time I'm going to be in the countries. I had it all paid for, actually. My flights and my accommodations were all paid for already. So even if I liked a place, I just had to just get up and and get on that plane and go, you know, and go to the next place. I wanted to force myself to do that because when I was in Mexico, I was very complacent and I was really happy where I was, but I was supposed to be leaving to a different part of Mexico. And I almost was going to skip my flight and cancel because I loved where I was so much. And I had a friend there and he was like, no, you should go. I don't think you should skip out on this. I think you should go. And I was like, you know what? He's right. I should go. It was also this feeling of being scared of the unknown. So I didn't necessarily want to do it because I was kind of afraid. I was very comfortable where I was, but I went and it was amazing. So I really wanted to force myself to, even if I were comfortable, like I already paid for this flight, girl, you got to get on it. So (laughs) I wanted that structure as well. But yeah, everything I planned out. But like I said, I would hit some other countries for a few days sometimes, like not very often, but for a few days, I'd hit another place. I'm actually heading to London in like, I think two days just because the plane ticket was cheap. Like I said, I plan, but sometimes I do spontaneous little things here and there within my plan. I call it side trips. Yeah, it seems like a great plan, especially even with something that's a year out to have this master plan, but having some spontaneous moments within. And yeah, when you're in Europe, it becomes easy to 
hop over to another country. 100%. Yes. Some continents are friendly that way, but some continents aren't. Like Africa, it's difficult sometimes to go from one place to another, yeah. unless they're in close proximity and you can just drive across the border. But Europe certainly affords exactly. that either by train or by so flight. Easy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The flight that I had booked, I kind of just randomly look sometimes, you know, when I'm bored, when Netflix is getting dry. I just, <laughs> I just kind of, I just kind of look around and I saw a flight for like around a hundred dollars, you know, to go to London from where I am. And I was like, that's actually like not terrible. Why not? And so, yeah, I do like little side trips here and there. I'm not exactly in the same exact place the whole time when I'm in my, I call it my hub location. Like right now I'm in Hania. Um, I wanted to make sure I got that at least somewhat right. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm in Tanya Crete, and like that's for the whole month. But during this month, I also went to Santorini and Milos and Athens, and now I'm going to London. I go out of the places as well because I do want to have a really full experience, and I want to see different landscapes and different natural constructions as well. So I go other places within the place I'm at, yeah. but that's never planned. The hub location is the only part that's really planned. And then I'll look at prices and I'll see how priced things are. Like if they're cheap enough, then I'll jump on it. And depending on my budget as well, since I have lump sum saved up, I've divided that by 365 and I have like the specific amount of money that I want to spend every day. And so like I really manage my budget every day. So if it's within the budget, then, you know, I'll do it. It all sounds wonderful. You've been to some fantastic places. What's left on the agenda? What are the next countries that you have planned out that you haven't already been to? After this month, I already mentioned London, so I'm going there for a little bit. After this month, I'll be in Rome. I'll be in Italy for pretty much the whole month. And the next month, which is June, is Sofia, Bulgaria. During Sofia, Bulgaria, I actually just booked a trip to Zadar, Croatia. So I heard you mention Croatia. <laughs> It's going to be a little bit different from your luxury, wonderful experience. But. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it sounds like you're going to be there before we get there. I was going to think maybe yes. we can meet up somewhere. I know. I was, I, we're I was coming after the fact. I was yeah. hearing your date. But yeah, June, Croatia and Sofia, Bulgaria. And July, I'll be in Turkey, Istanbul, Turkey. And then I'm going to be in Thailand, Phuket in Thailand in August. And then Bali, Indonesia is going to be September and October. Well, fantastic. You'll have to check back in with us yes. and maybe get on one of our culture <laughs> reports to talk about one of your destinations and the, oh, that would be your, awesome. your cultural experiences there. So definitely stay in touch with us and we'll check oh, back sure. in with you. How can we follow you on social media? I only have Instagram at the moment because I'm hopping on everything this kind of late and that includes Instagram. So no, but that's all I have. It's at S I E R A dot J P E G at Sierra dot JPEG. Oh, fantastic. Well, we will be following yeah. you and we're going to reach back out to you. I think I want to check in with you after you do Bulgaria because... Okay, cool. Yeah, and see what's going on in Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> 
and turkey too. I think turkey would be a great check-in too, because you know, turkey's one of those, as you talked about, Egypt and Morocco and those cultural differences. Turkey is similar to that, but I remember being in Turkey and riding on along the street, you can see a woman who has on a sundress and showing cleavage right next to a woman who is in a full covering. So I would love to hear your take on that. So we will definitely check back in with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and experiences with us. And we will continue. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, of course. Of course. All right. I'll talk to you very soon then. (laughs) Okay, great. Again, that is at Sierra.jpg on Instagram that you can follow her experiences. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.